0: So today, I'd like to start a little differently than we normally do. God kind of put it on my heart just to read through. It's it's a lengthy bit of Scripture today. We're in the book of Galatians. We're going to read the second half of chapter 3, but I just want want to read these words over you just unbroken without any commentary. I'll comment on it later, but I believe, as Scripture says, the Word of God does not return to him empty or void, but as it goes out, it accomplishes. God's purpose is with it. So um, I just believe deep in my heart if we can continue this attitude of prayer and worship, uh, hear these words even as, as, as in the context of the words, a letter that Paul wrote to churches that he knew. As a pastor, he was writing this to his congregations in Galatia. So hear these words. I'm gonna ask Haley to go ahead and play a little bit more music underneath these, but hear these words as, as a letter of love from someone who cares deeply about you, if you were his church, the church in Galatia. So Paul wrote this, chapter three, verse 15 to 29. He said, brothers and sisters, let me give you an example from everyday life No one can get rid of an official agreement between people. No one can add to it. It can't be changed after it's been made. It's the same with God's covenant agreement. These promises, this promise, the promises were given to Abraham. They were also given to his seed. Now, scripture does not say, and to seeds, that means many people. It says, and to your seed. That means one person. And that one person is Christ. Now, here's what I mean the law came 430 years after the promise, but the law does not get rid of God's covenant and promise. The covenant had already been made by God, so the law does not do away with the promise. The great gift that God has for us does not depend on the law. If it did, it would no longer depend on the promise. But God gave it to Abraham as a free gift through a promise. Well, why then was the law given at all? Well, it was added because of human sin. It was supposed to control us until the promised seed had come. The law was given through angels, and a go-between was put in charge of it. And a go-between means that that there's more than one side to an agreement. But God didn't use a go-between when he made his promise to Abraham. So is the law opposed to God's promises? Certainly not. What if a law had been given that could give life? Then, then people could become right with God by obeying the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. It does so in order that what was promised might be given to those who believe. The promise comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, before faith in Christ came, we were guarded by the law we were locked up until this faith was made known so the law was put in charge of us until christ came he came so that we might be made right with god by believing in christ but now faith in christ has come so the law is no longer in charge of us so in christ jesus you are all children of god By believing in Christ. This is because all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You have put him on as if he were your clothes. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free person. There is no male or female, and that's because you are all one in Christ Jesus. You who belong to Christ are Abraham's seed. So, you will receive what God has promised. May God add His blessing to the reading and the hearing of His word. Amen. So, today, well, first of all, my name is Aiden, I'm the uh, Associate Pastor of Outreach here at State College Alliance Church. We're going to continue and jump back into the scripture in a minute, but I had a couple of updates that I wanted to give you all today. As the outreach guy, my heart beats for the outreach thing. So uh, the Afghan family, I was up here a couple of months ago uh, just sharing a little bit. And we had a thing in the bulletin about like, could somebody help give them a car? That's that's not a small ask, right? And a lot of people said, yeah, I've got a car, but it don't work. (laughs) Like... They don't want this one uh, but uh, again with lots of help of Mary Ellen thank you Mary Ellen uh, we were able to get a car that was donated completely free of charge uh, so the family now has it they have had it for a couple of weeks and uh, just seeing the you know the grace that's in that and giving something that's maybe completely undeserved and just seeing just the initiative then that uh, Pardis the, the husband and just he's going out and getting new jobs he's actually starting a new job actually started on Saturday like that this car has given an opportunity. Um, so they are in transition from where they currently live. We're trying to get them in a more affordable place. So in the next couple weeks, hopefully, uh, they'll be able to move into something that can really is financially stable for them. So I may be like last minute, cause that's just the nature of refugee ministry. You don't know how things are going to go until like the day of it's like, Hey, we're moving today. I might send out an email or whatever, saying I need some help, uh, to get these folks moved. So if you're, if you're already like, yes, sign me up, send me a note and I'll put you on that list. Uh, help them to get into a new apartment uh, here in State College. Uh, Also, I can't not also just talk briefly about the ESL ministry. If you were here during the announcements, I know not all of you were in the room when the announcements happen. It's okay. It's grace for that. Um, We are starting an ESL ministry up again. There's a history here in our church of uh, ESL ministry. There's no prior training required. Uh, We will do a training session. Uh, But what an opportunity for outreach. And the training includes how to share your faith, how to share scripture that's going to be part of what we're doing uh, in, these, in these sessions. And just like uh, join us uh, on the 30th. It's not a commitment. After church on this service on the 30th, come check it out. There's going to be a Q&A with someone from the, dish, uh, from the actually national office of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, that this has been enough of a priority that they say, hey, we're going to hire a guy to help churches do this, and we're going to connect with him, and he can answer questions uh, about it. Because what we see is that the nations are coming to us, and that's so true here in State College. Uh, The nations are here. How can we serve them? How can we love them? How can we love them with their needs, language, friendship, with the greatest need of salvation for their hearts? So, um, if you have questions, again, reach out, let me know. A couple folks already saying, hey, I'm going to be there. So, you come join the crew. Uh, It'll be great. Finally, uh, Pastor Aaron asked me to pass on to you. He's here today, um, but he is leaving, I think, tomorrow. He is speaking at a conference this week uh, for our international workers. Um, About every four years, they have a a home assignment where they're back home again. So, all the international workers on home assignment are gathering in Cleveland and... Uh, they asked Aaron to come speak, uh, to present to them and to speak and to encourage them. So he specifically said this one, and say, hey, can you ask our people to pray? Pray for him, pray for these international workers that are, again, the priority of the Christian Missionary Alliance is to send our missionaries, international workers, to the hardest places in the world, places where there is little to no gospel as- uh, access. Um, So uh, places we can't list where they're going because they would not be allowed back in the country if it got out that they were doing missionary work, things like that. So hard things. They, yeah, just for God to pour out His Spirit uh, to be an encouragement, to be a blessing to those workers. So if you just lift me up. Let's just pray right now. Let's just do that. Let's pray right now. Um, Jesus, would you just… Would you just wash over Aaron as, uh, by your spirit that you would just supernaturally give and bring to mind the things that would be, um, that you have, that would be refreshing, that would be encouraging? the words that, you know, trying to put myself in their shoes of someone who's home for a short amount of time in their own culture, but who is being sent back out into the world to be your ambassador literally to another country, to another people group. God, would you just pour out over them? I pray for those workers, about a quarter of all of our international workers that, are, that we send out gathered together. So God, I pray for sweet times of worship. God, I pray for healing over brokenness of hearts. Um, God, I pray that you would uh, just move mightily as they go back to their uh, adopted countries just to share the love of Christ with those all around them. So, Jesus, we pray for your grace, uh, and I, I just, I'm just expectant for you to move and for powerful stories to come out of this and the ways that you move in the years to come. Uh, so, Jesus, we lift this and we lay this before you, uh, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, let's keep praying. Uh, join me this week. He'll be out there Monday through Friday, so keep lifting him up. Today... Okay, finally, the sermon, right? Goodness. Uh, Today, we're continuing on through the book of Galatians, the scripture passage I read earlier today. Um, We're going to kind of go a little bit by bit uh, in a minute, but I do want to just kind of start out. You know, this is called the law and the promise. You know, how this interaction of, how does the, the, the law, the Old Testament law, interact with the promise that was given to Abraham, that, that uh, uh, directly referring to Christ who would come. This is the gospel message of Jesus coming to forgive our sins, to be uh, healing for us, to bring restoration to our hearts. How does this all interact with each other? But before I, I get into that, I just want to recognize that even the word law and the word promise can carry like, baggage with it. Uh, I'm little beknownst to many, but there's this little like rebel inside of me that lives, right? And as soon as someone says, "Oh, well, yeah, th- you are like this," or they try and define me, and my wife will say, "Yeah, you've kind of got this little thing going on here. You have got to work this out." Of like, as soon as someone like almost puts a law over top of me, I like yeah, right, you know, I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong, just, you know, and so there's like this, maybe in you there's some rebellious spirit a little bit, I know I've got, I carry that, and I fight it, right, and, or Jesus fights it for me, uh, so there's some, some, some messy situations with law, or maybe we use the law, I know I do this as well, as like judgment over other people, it's like, well, I'm this good, you know, and I, I, I do this, this, and this, but that person over there, mm, they're a mess, and so we, you know, I think we get the law wrong a lot, and then even promises, I think this even gets deeper into our, our heart, that's definitely hard issues with law, but the ways that our hearts have been broken most are often over promises that have been broken to us, the ways our hearts have been broken most have been over promises, broken promises, you know, I think of even times when I say to my kids, uh, like, hey, I promise, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going to be there, or our, i like, oh, hey, I'm going to stop by the store and pick this up for you on the way home. And then it just completely slips my mind. And I show up at home, and they're like, hey, did you get that thing I was excited about? And, like, I can go. I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And what's the kid say? But you promised. Like, how many I know I've said that to, like, my parents. How many of those parents or have, have heard that from a child or from someone else? Like, but you promised. That's just a silly little thing, but I know that there are deep, deep promises that are broken in our lives. I think of the probably the place where I saw this most when I was growing up. I, I, For no good reason, I don't talk about this a lot, but um, when I was 16, um, our family brought in uh, a nine-year-old boy named Robbie and then went through the process of adopting him over the next couple years. So from when I was 16 until... You know 18 or so he lived in our house. He, he lived there about 10 years from 9 until 19. He was part part of our family um, and just uh, Watching him as a nine-year-old boy He would get like a letter in the mail from his biological mom It would have some stickers in it and some little gift or something like that and then it would say hey I'm so excited to see you in two weekends And then he would just be like so on a high for the next two weeks like looking so forward that day would come He would have the stickers that she gave him, and they'd go to the meeting spot, and they'd wait. The time would come, and she wouldn't show. And they'd wait 15, 20 minutes. And then finally, he had to say, like, hey, Rob, I don't think she's coming. Just the way that, like impacted his heart and the response that he had to that of just like ripping up the stickers, ripping up the letter. It's just this, I, inside of him, this rebellion that would come out over the next, I don't know how long, of just like, like words would come out of his mouth like, don't tell, me, don't tell me what to do or you can't tell me what to do. He's like, you're not my mom. You're not my dad. Putting up dividing walls between our family trying to care for him. And Rob, if you ever hear this, like right now we're, we're st- like, I haven't talked to him in years. There's a break between us. If you ever hear this, like, I hope, Rob, that I, I honor the memories and bring healing for you. But there's this rebellion that would, that would come out of that. You know, like putting up these dividing walls between anyone who is trying to draw a close connection to him. And then it would kind of change into, at some point, into like, he would say things like, well, yeah, well, she doesn't love me. And he'd say that to us. Like, you guys don't love me. You're just doing this because you have to. You don't love me. And what is that? That's his view, his perception of how others are viewing him. Shame, right? This deep, deep shame that he was walking through. Why? Why? 'Cause at the base of it, like, what did he think? He believed in those moments. What I, I he would say this as well. He says, I'm just a bad kid. And what is that? It's just this broken identity that he carried with him from broken promises. So I, I I pray that just in sharing this, that, you know, God's word will speak to that. If, if that relates to any of you, or if there is any shame or brokenness or any of that, that, that for anyone who's gathered here, that there is hope. That's what the gospel is all about. There's hope. So we'll get there. We'll get there. But that idea of dividing walls and rebellion, shame, or broken identity, like who we are, that we're just bad or not good in some way. I also wonder, as I read this, when we talk about law and promise, it's like, okay, well, obviously there's this kind of dichotomy of like, even earlier in in the scripture, it says, are you depending on the law or are you depending on the promise? And so that's the other question I want to ask us today is like, am I, are we, or are you, would you consider yourself a person of the law, the idea that we have to like work our own way towards God, like, okay, that's definitely a theology that a lot of us might carry, even subconsciously. That like, I- I've got to be good enough or God's not going to love me. I hear the words, from, some people say like, yeah, I'd never walk through a church because, you know, as soon as I walk through the door, God's going to strike me down. I'm just way too bad. Well, that's a, like you've got to earn your way to God kind of law mentality versus the promise which says this is a free gift that was just given. You don't have to do anything about it. That's my question. Are we a people of the law? By works, earning our place, expecting others to live up to our standard? Or are we a people of the promise, that who are accepted by God and then are able to therefore extend grace to others? And I really wonder if, uh, I know my heart, I, I, right? I slide towards law. Right? I slide that way. I'm just like, ugh. Oh. And I I wonder if it's really about being in control, fighting, kicking, and screaming when things feel out of control. I feel like the law is a standard I can just come back to and say, okay, here's the checkbox, this, this, or this, you don't measure up. Or for me, I just don't measure up, so I'm just out. So Paul is writing this letter to people who are sliding towards what's comfortable, the law. The Jewish people, they knew the law, and they said, like, hey, this is what it takes to be a Jew. It must be the same. Like, this is what's comfortable. People who are grasping onto what they can control. Legalism. So one last thing before we jump back into the scripture is that there's all kinds of terminology that, that Paul uses in this and to kind of help us get in our mindset what he's talking about because he uses words like covenant and promise and gift and law. Like what are, we, what are we even talking about when we use these words? And I almost kind of think of it as if you use the picture of like those Russian stacking dolls, that there's one inside of another, inside of another. And so, you know, he first talks about the covenant that was to Abraham that was given in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. It says like they, through you and through, and even says through your seed later in Genesis, there will be a blessing to all nations. So there's this idea of this covenant, this agreement that God is making. That's the most outer doll, all right? The covenant. Well, within the covenant is a promise. And those are those words I just said. The promise is that you will be a blessing to all nations. There's this, this promised blessing that will come. So covenant inside covenant. Holds a gift inside. Oh, sorry, covenant inside covenant holds promise. Inside the promise, then is the actual gift itself. So I think of it this way: like if I were to say to my kid, "Okay, hey, uh, my my son, who's here, Quint, I promise on Saturday I am gonna give you five bucks." He says, "Yeah, all right, for no reason at all. Like it's just a promise. It's just a free gift given to you." So I have made this agreement with him. That's the covenant. And then inside that covenant, like the the wrapper of it, I've said, okay, here's my promise to you. My promise is to give you five bucks later on. And then when I actually give it to him, that's the gift. So there's this interrelation between all of those parts. And then finally, the last part is the law. When he's talking about the law, he's talking about all the Old Testament law. There's like 630-some laws, but I also think more specifically he's talking about the covenantal law, the sacrificial system of sacrifices that they would have in order for the temple to be purified, in order for the tabernacle even to be purified, for the priests to come. That, I, that question of how do we enter into the presence of a holy God? Well, the law, the covenantal law was set up to show people, okay, well, you do these sacrifices, then it cleanses the temple, it cleanses from sin, as if sin was like this dirtiness that was sticking. Kind of can resonate to that. Sin was this dirtiness that was sticking to everything, the temple, the people, and it needs to be washed clean through blood of sacrifice. It's like washed by the blood of the Lamb. It sounds really weird, but that's that's literally like the blood was what cleansed, that a life was given in order that someone else could be purified. That idea is this law of what is what is being done away with here, the law. So, with all of that kind of in mind, part one of this scripture is really about what I see as the promise of God versus the law. All right? Which one, if it's if it's like a duking it out, which one's gonna win here? We got the promise in one ring over here, and then another side of the ring, we've got the law, and then they're gonna duke it out and see who comes out on top. They don't really box or anything like that, but. That's kind of like what he's saying. What's, what's in between here? So he's giving you this example. Are you depending on in, in the law or the promise? What's going to win out here? And this is what Paul says. I'm going to read through some of this again. He says, no one can get rid of an official agreement between people. And I think we can kind of agree to that. Like you make a, you know, you, a contract. If two companies are going to work together or if you as a homeowner or as a something, you're going to have a contractor come in and do work on your house. You have an agreement that you set up. He said, I'll pay you this much money to do this much work. And he says, look, no one can add to it. You can't come back to that contract and say, oh, yeah, I want this, this, and this. What is he going to say? Hmm, it's going to cost a little more money. We've got to change the terms of the contract. He we said, well, no, you can't add to it, right? It can't be changed after it's been made. And Paul's saying it's the same with God's covenant agreement, this promise, this covenant, that, that outer thing that he made with, the, with Abraham. He says, the promises were given to Abraham. They were also given to his seed. Scripture doesn't say to his seeds, not meaning many people. He's saying to your seed. So he's saying that this seed that is to come in the future, he's saying that this is Christ. This is the gift that's to come. So you can't change it later, right? This, This promise that God made from the beginning. It's not required anything of us. Like the law requires works. The promise is just a gift, we can't change it. What does he also say about it? Who's winning out here? The promise is winning out. Can't change the promise. He says, well, verse 17, here's what I mean. The law came 430 years after the promise. The promise was first. You can't change it later with the law. The law came later. So the law does not get rid of God's covenant and promise. The covenant had already been made by God, So the law does not do away with the promise. And helping to think through this, like, what is this all about? Well, I think of, like, probably the most significant, influential, like, covenant or promise that I have made in my life. It's to my wife. Right? Covenantal promise of marriage. And then what happens after we get married? Well, I start to learn that there are certain things that help our marriage to go well. And there are certain other things that ever I do or don't do, then like it does not help our marriage go well at all. Maybe even like humor me and I could say these are like the laws of marriage. It started with the covenant and then I happened to learn or stumble upon these laws later on of like, well, how does this go well? Let me give you an example. When we were early on married, uh, I would say, hey, oh yeah, I made plans Friday night. I'm gonna go out, do this, this, and this. It's like, what? You didn't talk to me first? It's like, I'm sensing I messed up here. All right. Oh, okay. Law of marriage. Before making plans, talk with each other first. Make sure it all works with our schedule. We have a unified schedule, not separate schedules. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This one actually, the next one comes from Dave Ramsey, right? Before making a large purchase of whatever dollar amount, you set the dollar amount, maybe 100, 500, I don't know. Depends on your income. Maybe it's 50 bucks. Before buying anything over 50 bucks, talk with your spouse. Another law of marriage. Do these things and it will go well with you in the land, right? Yes. Yes, it will. Another one? Kids come along later on if you're blessed to have children. And then, like, I love to play with my kids. And I'm like, oh, I need to set aside time to be focused on my wife and not on work or home or kids or everything else. Another law of marriage. Dating your wife. Now, do I do these things perfectly? Huh. Don't talk to my wife about it. <laughs> uh, no, none of us do. We're all broken, right? But does, that, does my ability to fulfill these laws of marriage or uh, fail these laws of marriage, does that change the covenantal promise that I made to my wife? No. It just sets, is the relationship going to go well or is it not going to go well? But I am committed and nothing will change that. A we'll little link to the wife there. So, um, maybe that was a good law of marriage. Speak publicly about how much you love your wife. All right. So, there we go. Um, So that's a little bit of what's happening here. The the covenant came first. The law came later. It helps to instruct, but it didn't change the promise that was already there. Let's keep going. Let's move on, all right? So verse 18 says "The, the great gift that God has for us does not depend on the law. If it did, it would no longer depend on the promise. But God gave it to Abraham as a free gift through a promise. So it's like why do we work for the gift that has already been given. Why do we have to like, say, like, okay, I've got to do this, this, and this to earn my way back to God? That's not the gospel at all. The gospel says you don't have to do anything. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, not according to your works. You're saying, like, well, how do I come to God? How do I get to know God? Well, it's through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a gift. So, moving on. This is, well, I mean, this is, all, this is the gospel. Maybe I shouldn't move past the gospel too quickly. Maybe we should say this is what he's saying. This is the gospel message. It's a free gift. It, it only requires our faith in saying, okay. And maybe this is why I should just pause and say, okay. If, anyone, if, if, if you're wondering, like, okay, how do I become a Christian? What does it mean? It's like, well, you literally just say, okay, God, I, I acknowledge I'm not, a perfect person i do a lot of bad stuff it's acknowledging sin and even acknowledging like i can't even fix myself and so it's it's the only act that's not an actual work right this is faith this is a surrender and saying okay god i can't do this alone but i believe that jesus can how did he do that i believe what god's word says that he in my place he died on the cross I should get that punishment for all the wrong things I've done, but I don't get that from you because now in Jesus, if I put my trust in Jesus to be the one that he received that for me so that we could then walk in newness of life. A new life is given. A new start. A fresh, like wiping it clean. This is the gospel he's talking about. So, promise versus the law promise it's primary it was first it's not changed by the law that came later next part as he moves on we're into verse 19 it's literally he says like well why the law Uh, something on this translation pause for a second this is the new international readers version that i'm using because i read this so many times in different versions i'm like what the heck is he saying so i found one that was maybe more on like a middle school level reading level i'm like okay Now I got it. There's another one, if you're still confused by some of this, is the easy to read version, which is like a third grade reading level. That was actually really helpful to me too, because like Paul. Anyway, so there's a couple different versions. I'm using one that's not traditionally what we use, but I found it super helpful. So this is what it says in verse 19. Paul literally is like, then why was the law given? Like, why the law? What's the point of it? Well, he says it was added because of human sin. I think this is like, it reveals our sin to us. This is what Paul says in Romans 7 says, and he's like, well, without the law, I wouldn't have known sin. It's just even that, that fact of having a law that says this is right and this is wrong. It's like, okay, oh, now I realize I'm in the wrong. The whole thing with like marriage. I didn't realize I was in the wrong, and so it's like, oh, this is a law here. I better uh, either abide by it or not. It says that, 19, he says, and it was supposed to control us until the promised seed had come. And I kind of struggle with that. Like, does the law, like, control us? I don't like people feel like they're controlling me. That's the thing I was talking about earlier. Don't put me in a box. Don't try and control me. And here's what I think actually is more like. It's like the control that guardrails give you. Like, when you're driving down the road in and, and your car and, the, and you start to veer off to the side or to the left, there are these guardrails that protect you from going off into the weeds and having a, well, you still have a car accident, but it's not as bad as if you went off the cliff. This is what the law does. To control us and keeping us again in the way that leads to life. So why the law? Well, it, it shows us our sin, our brokenness. It shows us a, a way that, that the best way of life to control us, not going off the rails. And the third part here, he says this uh, in verse twenty. He says the law was given through angels and a go-between. In your Bible, it might say a mediator was put in charge of it. It's like when the, when the law was given, it was given to Moses, and Moses was the original mediator between God and man. And how many times, maybe a couple times, that God was like, okay, Moses, I'm done. I'm killing all the Israelites. I've had it up to here. I'm done with them. And who was there to stand in the gap between the people who were broken and sinful and God who was righteous? And Moses said, no, 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 just wait. Don't, don't, don't kill everyone. As much as Moses was frustrated with the people of God, so he was this mediator, and so the law points to our need for someone to stand in and fill that place that Moses had for the Israelites. That the law could be in that place of showing right and wrong. Well, who is in there now? That's Christ, Jesus. So the law started to point towards our need for Christ, which is the next thing that it says, that it, that it points to the promise. Um, I'm well, we'll jump down to verse 20. It says, so is the, the law opposed to God's promise? Certainly not. What if a law had been given that could give life? Well, obviously, the law does not give life. It says, then people could become right by God by obeying the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, everything like all people. The law. Here's this perfect standard of living for the, for the Jewish people, the Israelite nation. And it's like none of them. Could do it perfectly so they're locked up under this but he says it does so it locked everything up under sin it does that in order that what was promised in the beginning might be given to those who believe so why did it do that so it might show us our need that we can't we can't earn our way to god we need the gift We're going to let go of our trying and just say, okay, I give up. I surrender. That's part of my story of just saying, okay, God, I surrender. I give up trying to do everything right because I can't. Receive that free gift, which is Jesus, the seed. So this is why the law shows us sin, reveals our sin, realizes we can't fulfill it. This is what paul wrote and aaron pastor aaron mentioned this last week he said wretched man that i am who will save me from this body of death we'll never think of those words the same way again if you were here last week body of death if you don't know what i'm talking about go listen to the sermon last week it's a bit gruesome then paul says thanks be to god christ jesus our savior thanks be to god for the gift and then Paul gives an example, all right? I'm like, thank you, Paul. I don't have to come up with an example on this because he gives it to us right in scripture. What's he talking about? Verse 23 to 25, he's talking about, in your Bible, it might say like a guardian. Was it? Children of God. But it's not talking about a guardian or guardianship. In this translation, it says, in verse 23, it says, before faith in Christ came, we were guarded by the law meaning under a guardianship now in paul's day what is he talking about as a guardian well this would have been a slave who was put in charge of children so say oh okay i'm a wealthy roman citizen i have lots of slaves and i have children i'm like ah, i don't want to deal with my children sounds great (laughs) no just kidding uh so here slave you be the guardian of my children and uh i'm sure they all talk that way too right uh what would the guardian do He would instruct the children about what was right and wrong. He would instruct them. It's kind of what the law does. Instructs us on what's right or wrong. He would discipline the children when they were breaking those boundaries. This guardian thing sounding better all the time. I love my kids too much. I couldn't do it. Um, And then the third thing that they would do was that they would then um, also set boundaries on who they could interact with or who they couldn't interact with. He would keep them separated from... Things that were like, oh, yep, we're not going to go to that part of town. You're not going to associate with those kids or that. It's a different class. You're, that's not your society and the Roman culture. And so they would set those boundaries, which is all of these things. A guardianship is exactly what the law did for the Israelites. It was a guardian over them to protect them. But he says this guardianship was temporary as it was meant to be. These kids were to grow up to learn their way, that they're supposed to walk, and then once the time, the appointed age came, the guardian went away, and they were set free to live their lives as they so choose. And this is what he says, the law was put in charge until Christ came. He came so that we might be made right with God by believing in Christ. But now, faith in Christ has come, so the law is no longer in charge of us. What did I just say? The law is no longer in charge of us. Woo! We're free, right? Hold on. Old Testament law. Right? Let's, let's kind of like listen to what Jesus actually said about the law. He said, well, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. So, okay, there's something that's it's not going away completely, but the covenantal sacrificial law I mentioned early, that's done away. with. That's why we don't come in here and like bring your lambs, bring your sheep, and let's slaughter them at the door and then put them on the we don't even have a fire in here, right? Some churches have candles, or they burn it up, or whatever. Like we don't do that anymore. We don't need to because Christ was the perfect sacrifice that did away with all of that sacrificial law. But then the rest of it, like the Ten Commandments, "Thou shalt not kill." What does Jesus say about that? He says, "You've heard it said, do not commit murder,' but I tell you," it's from the Sermon on the Mount. What does He say? there's anger in your heart towards your brother that you've already committed murder in your heart you've heard it said don't covet your neighbor's wife but i say to you if you even look lustfully at another woman you've committed adultery in your heart so there's this sense of like okay well now uh the law is no longer in charge of us we are now under in christ There's the law of Christ, which we are under, which then raises the bar, right, even more. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I couldn't do this law, how am I going to do that? Again, shows our need for the promise even more. It's called, you know, Jesus saves us, but then Jesus is also our sanctifier, the one who we come to and say, okay, I can't do this on my own. And so he works by his spirit within us in order to empower us, Day by day to become more like Him. It's not like this. They're like, "Hey, there we go. We're good. I'm not gonna have anger anymore." No, it's a working out of the flesh as we surrender to Him. His Spirit then fills the parts we surrender. So let's let's wrap this up a little bit. This last section of well, before we do that, I just kind of want to ask again one more time. Like, so are we? Am I a person of the law? Am I a person of the promise? And the best I can say is yes, sometimes. And you kind of ask yourself the same question. How, how are you living out your life in the day-to-day actions? Is it, is it more in line with the law of earning, of, of expecting others, or is it of the promise of accepting grace and extending grace? So I think there's one more thing in this scripture that he has for us as I kind of circle back around to m- uh, my brother, Robbie, and the stuff that, you know, he was dealing with and maybe some of us and I know I deal with as well or just like my own brokenness from things that I have done in my past that I am not proud of. Things I have said or done or hurt other people. And um, so this is the last part, verses 26 to 29. And um, what I'm gonna say about that is that the promise reshapes the identity of the believer in a way that the law cannot do. The law is dead in changing our hearts, but the promise is alive. Let me say it one more time. The promise reshapes the identity of the believer in a way that the law cannot. So the first thing he says in verse 26, is this: so, what does he say? In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God by believing in Christ." What is he healing here? What's happening when he says we're now children? This kind of comes, feels like it comes out of the blue. It was after this guardianship thing. So, well, okay, we're leaving the guardianship of the law away. Now, what's next? Well, we are adopted into the family. We are now children. And I think what this is, is it's healing the broken identity that we carry. We can now view God, like, what's the view we have of ourselves? Is it that view of, like, I'm no good? Or do we trust God and his view of us? And he says, no, you're my child whom I love. Learning to know God as like that Abba, Daddy, Father, who loves in perfect ways that maybe our earthly father was unable to do. So being a child of God, healing our identity, that's broken. What's the next thing he says? He says, this is because all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You have put him on as if he were your clothes. Okay, now I'm starting to think, like, what is he talking about here? Putting on Christ as clothing. That sounds kind of strange. But then I think back to the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis where uh, Adam and Eve sinned before God. And what did he do before they were separated from God? Like, the last loving act of God in that moment sacrificed an animal, and He clothed them with clothing. What was He doing? He was covering their shame. They saw that they were naked, and they were ashamed, and so God covered their shame. And so I believe, I strongly, wholeheartedly believe that there is healing for our shame in Christ. And how is that? It's by being covered in Christ so it's, that shame was all about the perspective that we have that of what others view us and now like okay the other is God and how does he view me he views me as if I am his own son I am completely covered in Christ so he looks at me he doesn't see my brokenness he sees Jesus and there is no shame in that again does this take time and walking out it's not like instantly shame is gone but as we, that's the prayers like Jesus or God, show me how you see me. It's a prayer to heal the shame that we might carry from the past. Okay, he goes on. There's more healing here. He says in 28, there is no Jew or Gentile, there is no slave or free person, there's no male or female, because you are all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, it's not like hey racial distinctions are gone. It's like there is no male or female. No, 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 it's not a physical thing. It's that barrier that we set between ourselves and others. That barrier can now be broken down because of the gospel, right? That was the barriers because of how we view others. Like, well, you can't control me. That was Robbie's words. It's that barrier. It's like, well, no, instead, what if I don't look at the one who's against me as I see them, but what if I look at them and how God sees them? And that's the grace you know that i need they need that same grace too so he heals my heart and how i view others it's healing our rebellion and heal- healing our division puts us all on an equal playing field that he loves all he died for all and then the last part it says this you who belong to christ are abraham's seed so you will receive what God has promised. And so like that idea of we becoming Abraham's seed, is like this, this, the legacy of Abraham is passed on to us. That blessing that was Christ is now the blessing that's passed on to us. We have the opportunity to heal our legacy. As recipients of the promised blessing, we now can leave a legacy of blessing instead of a legacy of law. And as I said through some of these, like these each are a doorway through which we can, like, begin to enter into healing, but it's something we have to walk into. I was kind of thinking about this as a, one last example. It's like, as if, you know, as if I got a gift of $5,000, but God gave it to me in, like, $1 bills because He knew the, the repository or the, the love bank of my heart, it only had a slot for $1 bills. And so it's like every day I can put $1 in and receive His love. But, the, but it's like there's so much there for me. I can't just, like, I just can't take it all in right now. And so it's something that has to be walked out every day with others. So I don't know if, what's the, what's the, the, the one dollar offering of God that he's giving to you today that he wants you to pick up and take and say, yeah, hold on to that one thing. Because it's a gift of love to you. So what do we do with this? Well, I think it's the same for like whether you believe in Jesus or whether you don't believe him. Uh, A couple statements to wrap this up, and I guess I can invite the band to come back up on the stage as I say these last things. So whether you believe or whether you don't, what is the things here? God is not legalistic. He's a God of the promise. He wants to give free gifts. Second thing, you don't have to measure up in order to be good enough for God. That's law third thing it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from the promise of jesus is for you and the last thing is just like try it out like what are the voices in your head you know is it something of identity that just whispers that's the voice of of satan or that just says in your head you're like you're worthless well then the counter to that is the truth god show me how much you love me heal this identity thing i've got going on here Maybe the voice in your head is one of shame that's saying, you know what, you'll never measure up. You're just not good enough. So let me say, you know what, Jesus, clothe me in Christ. Let me understand how you view me. Maybe there's rebellion or division in your life, and maybe it's an outward thing. And say, Jesus, you need to show me how much you love this person that I'm at odds with. And maybe, you know, you just feel like, the words I wrote down is like, you feel like life's a train wreck. You know, like the legacy that you leave is just going to be a mess. Maybe it's just the first step of just receiving this promised blessing so that you might leave a legacy of blessing. All right, I've got a short prayer. I want to pray over you. Maybe this is a prayer for you to pray. It's just a short prayer of confession and then an acceptance of God and of His grace. So uh, I'll leave some pauses in there. If you want to pray it, you can pray it in your thoughts. You can pray it out loud. Let's end this way today. Would you pray with me? So Jesus, I confess that sometimes I am a person of the law instead of a person of the promise. I try to earn my place before you. And I expect others to do the same today I accept your promised grace through faith in Jesus so that I might extend your grace toward others come spirit heal the places in me that are broken amen would you go today peace as we transition to worship one more song.